If you've listened for very long at all, we, uh, we're going to spend the next oh, 20 minutes or so visiting with the Dirt Doctor. Then we'll have about 30 minutes left in the show to take more phone calls. But uh, right now, as always, is my pleasure to say good morning to Howard Garrett. Uh, I think Tater knows when Chris is calling. He seems to be in especially good voice when Chris is doing my engineering. <laughs> yeah, you never know. They're wandering around the house and in and out, so uh, sometimes they're near the phone, sometimes not. But, yeah, he, <laughs> he answered the phone this morning. Ah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, it was a bad week for Monsanto, so I guess it was a good week for gardeners. Yeah, the only bad thing is if you have a um, an investment portfolio and have any stock in there, most investors probably invested <laughs> by, in uh Bayer and Monsanto and and uh, their stock took a took a big dive, but the uh, uh, you know the it's good. We've got uh, confirmation on at least one case. There's two more coming up right away, and then yep. there's about eleven more. I've gotten conflicting reports about um, about it. Doug was telling me yesterday that he thought that the third uh, judge in the third case was going to allow a whole bunch more. Uh, testimony and evidence and stuff, and then I had an attorney tell me a couple days ago that there's one judge that's more or less in charge of all of these lawsuits. They've really them all together. Oh. So I'm not sure about I, what the uh, current status is. Yeah, I understand there are like 10,000 lawsuits pending, and uh, who knows how many years it'll take to work its way through court. But yeah, I heard that... Uh, the uh, their stock dropped thirteen percent this week, but its uh, Bayer stock is down forty percent since they acquired Monsanto. And uh, <laughs> all I can say is, I just it can't couldn't happen to a more deserving company. Is with all the cover ups and all the things that they've done to uh, you know to to mislead us. I believe at least on a lot of this stuff. So. I'm uh, I'm not sad for them, and and I, I I know a lot of people that have mutual funds may not even realize it's in there, but uh, I don't know. People just need to ask. A well, lot of it, uh, another rumor that I heard, um, and there might be something to it, is that Bayer is considering uh, bailing out and, and uh, getting getting out of the ownership of uh, of Monsanto. So that's. That, who knows whether that's true or not. <laughs> I, I don't know. Rumors. But on, on to more positive things. What's going on in your gardening world this week? Well, everything's growing like crazy. Tater's uh, eager to go out here. He wants to bark at the neighbor's dogs, I guess. <laughs> um, I uh, continue to be uh, kind of impressed about how well everything held up through the 20-degree weather, there's a little bit of cosmetic damage, but very, very little, and now everything's just growing like crazy. It's uh, even a little hard to keep up with the watering, and in some cases it's getting so warm here in the afternoon that I assume it's pretty much the same thing down there. We're seeing some sunshine for the first time. Uh, gosh, we've been the past two and a half months. We've we've hardly had a week of sunshine, but this week has been beautiful. A little cloudy today, but we are dry. I know y'all have had a couple of rains that uh, we miss, but golly, the, the soil is just cracked and for a for an El Nino year, it sure hadn't panned out as far as having much moisture. And people people do need to do some good thorough soaking as far as watering. Don't think they need to water as often, but uh, we're we're having to get uh, get back into irrigation down here. Yeah, it's um, it's that time. I heard you talking about 
caladiums. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to get into that this year or not. I used to do a lot of white caladiums all around the place, and, and having a shady garden, it really worked nicely. Mm-hmm. It just added a, a brightness to the garden that was terrific. Well, if you do... Yeah, I may do it. I haven't done it the last couple of years. I've just been busy doing other uh, things. I hire somebody to come in and do it. It's just a matter of me pulling the trigger to do it, but... Uh, Oh, two things about caladiums. There's a new one out called Moonlight that is uh, just almost a pure white that is just a gorgeous one. And the old Candidum that uh, has been around for about 50 years, through some tissue culture, they cleaned it up, and it is a lot whiter than it used to be. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, five or six years ago, it got to be where the white caladiums were almost as green as they were white. But they've yeah. really cleaned it up through tissue culture. So if this is the year you decide to plant white caladiums, I think you'll be pleased. Okay, good. One of the things that people foul up on on caladiums is fertilizing them a little too much, and I think that's one one way you can encourage that green yep. to be more is by fertilizing too much. They tend to stay a pure, more pure white, at least the ones in the past, you know, if they were a little bit on the hungry side. I, that's probably very true. Um, I think it's true of all the different colors, not just the whites, but of course the green shows up so much. But I have to say it's sure less of a problem with organic fertilizers than it is with uh, with all that miracle growing, that other stuff okay. that we don't like to talk about. Sure. Had an interesting caller this morning, and... Um, uh, it's something that I think we, we all need to keep in mind. But she, this lady has apparently a real sensitivity to milkweeds, at least to the alkaloid that's in there. And she apparently rubbed her eye, or at least rubbed one eye, when she was propagating uh, one of the milkweeds that the butterflies like so much and actually went blind in that eye for several days. And... Um, she said in looking it up, she said it's, you know, it's mentioned a number of places how caustic it is. And she's found one reference, and she's apparently not the only one. She said she's recovered since that time uh, most of the sight in that eye. But I think it's uh, something that we probably need to remember to mention when we're talking about it. And and she was saying that even, even DirtDoctor.com, which apparently is her go-to source, she said he, he didn't mention anything about that. You might tell Howard, you might want to mention that any of these milkweeds that have uh, some of the alkaloids in there, people, people want to be careful about washing their hands and not rubbing sensitive tissues after they've handled them. And she said it was for her since she was actually cutting it to make cuttings. She probably got a lot more of the sap than somebody just casually handling it would. Yeah, I've heard of, about some of the euphorbia is having that problem, but I didn't. I didn't realize milkweed specifically was that bad. That's a good tip. Need to add that to the information. Well, and you know, it's it's again different people have different sensitivities, and uh, a lot of people don't know they're allergic to something until they have a bad reaction. And I just, if it's got a white sap, I just kind of tend to be a little bit more careful with it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good tip. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm about to hit the road again today to uh, talk to people over Mount Pleasant. So if any of your listeners are in that part of the world or care to drive over there, it's actually it's kind of a surprise that we got invited in the first place last year. It's a Master <laughs> Gardener deal. Right. And um, the keynote speaker, I'm going to do the Fantastic Trees talk and look forward to it. It was really a, a very nice show last year. They had a tremendous number of plants for sale. 
and some unusual things. I was um, I was quite pleased. Well, that sounds like fun. How'd you talk up? Was it Denton last week? Yeah, the uh, uh, DNL uh, Farm and Home uh, Store really uh, good. Good event, had a nice turnout, sold a little bit of art. Um, we were really having fun with the art, and it's not, you know, overwhelming or anything, but I'm delighted that people like it enough to uh, invest a little in Torque and uh, have a Howard Garrett original. I still haven't <laughs> set up a situation where I can do prints. We're only selling originals, but we're going to have a few uh, pieces at this event. I'm going to take Good. a few more in my car, but Doug's not coming, so it's not. I'm not going to have a whole lot of stuff there. <laughs> You're not quite as laid down. Well, that's great, but and even though this is a Master Gardener's event, uh, public is welcome up there? Yeah. yeah it it costs uh, a whopping $3 to get in, I think, so... Uh, you know, bring your your wallet. It'll wipe you out to get in. <laughs> no, it just means more money left over to buy some Howard Garrett art. Yeah, and plants. I, it, you know, they had some uh, some native things that you just don't run into too much in the in the nurseries, and uh, had fun had fun there last year. A lot of booths, a lot of exhibits, and and some uh, cool people there. Uh, there was even one company that had a new line of coffee. So there, you know, there, there's all kinds of stuff there. Wow, a lot. Are y'all supposed to get some rain today? Um, they every time they revise the forecast, they move the chances down. I was looking at the radar over one of the newscasts, and uh, uh, it doesn't look very likely. And they're saying even if it does, that it will be very, very light rain. So. It's uh looks like just another beautiful day. We've we've had the prettiest week we've had so far in 2019 and it's overcast today, but uh I think our chances of rain are pretty minimal and if we get anything they're saying like less than a tenth of an inch. So uh, uh we'll see. We'll see. I, I think, think we've got a little better chance uh, than that. So yeah. See what happens. Well, we sure do. We sure do need the rain. How are your uh, your East Texas Buckeyes that you shared some of the seed with me? How are how are yours doing? They're doing fine. I have moved them out. They were um, starting to lean pretty uh, badly in the greenhouse. You know, I don't I don't have much direct sun for very long getting <laughs> in that greenhouse, so they right. were they were getting a little leggy. Uh, yeah. Bright big leaves um, that may have something to do with the light also but i've moved them out but i sure learned something uh new uh, with them and that is those big old buckeyes do not like being planted like you can get away with planting an acre you know sure. countersinking thing you've got to get them down in the ground the ones that i had up high dried up and uh did not uh germinate they died mm-hmm well, two two out of the four that you sent me uh, germinated well and grew. The one of them just all of a sudden turned around and decided to drop its leaves, and since that time, it's come back out with prettier foliage than it had to begin with. I've got to get mine out of the greenhouse. They're in the greenhouse, too. But two out of the four did quite well, but uh, I found exactly the same thing with planting on them, and uh, I just wondered what your um what your experience had been comparing to my native buckeyes that of course just cover one hillside down here these do have much larger foliage but i'm not sure whether it's just because they're in better soil and they've got little fertilizer along with it so they'll be getting planted out in the garden pretty soon and uh we should be interested to watch and see how they do in our hill country soil 
Yeah, we need to compare, continue to compare notes because uh, no telling what the flowers are like. The uh, lady that where we got the seed for people that haven't heard this, it was uh, the owner of the state champion ginkgo tree that gave uh-huh. me the uh, seed over in uh, East Texas, far East Texas, New Boston, and she said that hers is bright red, great big bright red uh, flowers. Wow. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what ours. Do there can, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if ours aren't completely different as far as the flowers go. Being in, in instead of sandy acid soil, being mm-hmm. in our uh, alkaline situations, we'll just have to wait and see what happens and pass the information on and photographs on to everybody. Well, we'll look forward to it, and uh, uh, it's just it's so much fun trying things, and some of them work, and some of them don't, and. Uh, it's interesting the same plants a difference in the color of the flowers and how much that soil acidity and all can impact that i i'd it'd be interested to see how they grow ours vary from uh really a fairly light pink to uh almost to some greenish tones so it sounds like this one may be very different i'll sure look forward to seeing i guess probably be a year or two before mine will be big enough or yours big enough they may have any flowers on them this year you think that's a year away no, I don't think so. They're only about um, 15 inches tall, if that. Okay, yeah. I, I think it'll be at least next year. We'll just have to wait and wait and see. There's a tremendous variety in the size and the color and the uh, and when and the timing on the bloom of my other buckeyes. I, it ranges all over the place. I've got some that are fully leafed out right now. I've got some that the buds are just barely uh, broken. Uh, the 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 scarlet ones are already in bloom in the front yard, so it's just you know across the board. Of course, yeah. I've got uh, Ohio buckeye and the Texas uh, <laughs> native one, and all all kinds of them. Well, there are actually a couple of different genera that we call buckeye, and uh, the one down here that I I think is one of the hardiest plants that I wish were more widely used is that Mexican buckeye, the Ugnadia, that uh, has a pretty pink flowers, and it makes it makes a big big shrub. I have them growing around the ranch that are probably 10, 12 feet tall. I saw one here in town about 10 feet tall. Just absolutely solid mass pink flowers. When I first looked at it, I thought it was a peach tree, but looked a little bit more carefully, and they're a little bit brighter pink, but that thing was heavily, heavily flowered this year. Apparently our our uh, rainier early fall and uh, then the cooler, cloudier weather has really been to its liking. I love that plant. We have... Um we have some small ones in containers in the backyard, and I've got a pretty big one at the near the front door. So it's it's really versatile too. Sun or shade, cont- doesn't mind containers. It's it's really good. I'm going to try to collect a bunch of seed this year, and uh, we'll get it uh, for torque and uh, to to go out yeah, with some of the other seeds. I just didn't get to it fast enough last fall, and I didn't realize how many apparently critters uh, feed on that because I went looking for seed with the intent to collect and found that so many of the pods, uh, the seed had just flat disappeared out of. We'll try to do better on that this year. Well, anything... Well, let's see. What else am I going to be doing soon? I'm covered, I've am i got a little bare soil. I got, uh, I got behind on my vegetable garden at the uh, office and had some guys come in and help me get it all de-weeded, the uh, rescue grass and the uh, that Velcro weed, whatever the official name <laughs> of it is, were the ones that had really taken over the most. But yeah. I'm, 
ready to get a whole bunch of new stuff uh, planted and try to try to divide my time reasonably between my art and my uh, and my garden. I'm definitely an ADD artist. I just you know I can't <laughs> wait to start another one, and I'll get one started and start two or three others and go back and forth between the several while I'm uh, finishing the first one. Well, it just shows that you have a multi-track mind to be able to focus on on more than one thing. Um, yeah, my vegetable gardening has suffered because I put so much energy into getting my new greenhouse built, and yeah, I have yeah. to say the orchids are sure loving that. We've got a great orchid show going on down here this weekend. Roberta and I ran by when we went to lunch yesterday. They were getting it all set up, so uh, um, looking forward to, to having a lot of folks go down there and enjoy that. And Golly, they're just there's there's so much there's just so much going on in the world of gardening right now. It's just it's a fun time of year and just a lot of good things happening. I don't know how many greenhouse gardeners you know, and obviously your greenhouse is in a pretty shady area, but I'm impressed with this new shade cloth that I put on my greenhouse. It's called Illuminate A L U M I N E T. And it's claimed to fame in addition to offering, and you can get it in different densities, but it reflects so much of the heat away. They say on average that uh, uh, the, your greenhouse will run 10 to 15 degrees cooler using this for a shade cloth. And, uh, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, and with mine, on, on some of the really sunny days, when with standard shade cloth, that greenhouse just shoots up in temperature, but it stayed very moderate, uh, even in bright sun with higher temperatures. So, so far, I'm really impressed with it, and I'd, I'd sure look at it if anybody's thinking about buying shade cloth. Yeah, I'll make a note of that and get that added to the uh, information on the website, too. That sounds great. Have you ever played with the colors, the different colors, and what effect they have? About the only colors I've, well, I guess I've seen three colors, white, green, and black. Uh, Have you seen more than that? Well, I was just thinking about colors in general. You know, I played around a little bit uh, some years ago, and I never got it completed because my greenhouse is too shady to really mm-hmm. get the test results but this idea of having a um, not necessarily the shade cloth but the the plastic or whatever uh the uh g- greenhouse is made out of being in the pink colors mm-hmm. right and then of course there's there's pretty good research out there already about the different colors of mulches and having various effects on plants and i think that's something maybe when we both have time, we need to look into it a little bit more. I, I think I think there's definitely something to having this pink, uh, you know, looking at the world through rose-colored glasses, uh-huh. kind of a color that the light comes through to get to plants and even animals that are in uh, aquariums and cages and things like that. I've seen some remarkable uh, apparent results that have happened with just using that color. That's interesting, and I'm only laughing because the idea of having time to look at new fun things. And if we could just get about another six hours in every day, we might get a fraction of these things that we want to experiment with done. And uh, it's they're using you know some light therapies and things that I just find fascinating that I really haven't had, I really haven't looked into carefully enough. But I, I'm not sure how you would you think actually getting a more of a colored film material or something like that that we might try growing under how would you approach this 
Yeah, I actually got a sample of it at one time, and I don't know what I even did with it. I and I was it was a guess, but when I started asking people about it, there was a little bit of an understanding about it. There is a very interesting place uh, over. Um, Town is it? I'm drawing a blank right now. It's where the uh, uh, dinosaur track. Oh yeah, Glenrose. Glen in Glenrose, there is the uh, Creation Museum there, <laughs> and it's a it's a guy that's very interesting to say the least, and he's uh, set up in uh, his little museum. Or at least when I was there, it was basically a double wide, and he uh -huh. was in the process <laughs> of building a big uh, building. Uh, to make this a larger thing, but uh, uh, so people could actually experience this color. But he had that color used on aquariums uh, uh, with snakes and and fish and various kinds of things. And there was no question about the fact that the uh, fish were. He had piranha and mm -hmm. some other species, and they were definitely bigger than they would have been. You know, if they hadn't been behind that that color he claimed and i didn't test it out that the snakes were no longer poisonous as a result. <laughs> so, anyway there's some interesting uh uh information and and research to some degree that already exists with that it'd be fun to play around with it oh, a little bit more sounds like something to explore well listen i don't want to keep you because i know you need to get on the road but as always thanks for taking the time this morning and uh we'll look forward to doing it again next week and, and like yeah there's there's a lot a lot to talk about there a lot of uh, a lot of different therapies uh used for people as well but uh uh, just one more fun project. Well, listen, so it's Mount Pleasant, and if anybody uh, is listening up in that area, how will they find you? Well, it's the Cypress Basin uh, Master Gardeners Den. If they go to Dirt Doctor and go to Appearances, all the information's okay. there, or they can just pull up Cypress Basin uh, Garden Show. Enjoyed being with you, as always, and we'll see you guys next week and give you a report. Look forward to it, Howard. Thank you so very much. No <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, DirtDoctor.com, Howard's website is, golly, just the source for good information that applies to our area. Now, again, I realize lots of folks listening all all around, but uh, organic gardening techniques are pretty much the same wherever you are. But when it comes to specific plants and things like that, I think you'll find the information on DirtDoctor.com to be just almost 100% as accurate here in San Antonio as it is up in the Metroplex where Howard resides. But uh, anyway, uh, great guy. The Dirt Doctor got some great books out there, some books he co-authored with uh, Malcolm Beck, just a, a wealth of information. So I uh, hope you take advantage of DirtDoctor.com, and there's some fun things out there. We're going to talk to Scott, Kenneth, Paul, and Jeff, so let's get started with Scott. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, sir. Morning. Uh, Morning, morning. Love your show. I've been. Uh, I look forward to it every weekend. Well, very kind. Thank time. you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, my front yard. It's it's pretty big. Uh, it's uh, theoretically it's supposed to be uh, Bermuda, but the weeds <laughs> overran it mostly crabgrass. Yeah. Um, so I'm about halfway through putting down a layer of compost, and and I'm going to keep it mowed. My question for you is: There are areas in it that are uh, were already pretty sparse with mm -hmm. uh, the Bermuda because it's that light beigey, sandy clay that's as hard as a hard as a rock. Okay. Um, can I, uh, it, while I'm doing all this other, can I throw some Bermuda seed out there to try to 
get it going in those uh, naked areas? Until it gets really hot, you'll be wasting your time. Bermuda seed simply doesn't germinate until we're up to those, you know, consistently 80 degrees or above. And there are a lot of people out there that are not in a rush for that to happen. So I'm going to tell you probably May before I'm going to be talking about throwing out Bermuda seed. But the the compost over that area will definitely help. You may be surprised if we do, and they're still giving us pretty – good chance of being rainier later this spring i think you're going to be amazed at how that bermuda will grow how it will spread it's just been so cool my bermuda is i'm seeing very little green and i know it's good and healthy because i'm digging some of it out of the garden and some other places but it's just it's just the nights have stayed cool enough bermuda hadn't started growing so at this point the only thing i'd add to your program is good organic fertilizer and then when may rolls around we'll see if you need to put some seed out but i think I think you'd be amazed at how the Bermuda will spread into that. All right, sir. And the organic fertilizer, just like spread it just like any other time, nothing special because of the compost being there? No, absolutely nothing special. I actually like it. Given the choice, I put the fertilizer down first and the compost on top of it, but that's not mandatory, and it does not have to be watered in. Um, there are lots of good brands out there, a 40-pound bag, Typically, will cover about four to five thousand square feet, but uh, the compost alone does not have enough nutrient in it. So I, I would get some fertilizer out. But it sounds to me like you're doing everything else right. As soon as it warms up, the weeds are going to start disappearing, and the remuters are just going to come out and take over. Uh, any pre-emergent I need to do? No, do. it's way too late. Pre-emergence, as the name oh, okay. implies, are things before they germinate. And most all our spring weeds have already germinated. Your compost, the humic acids in there serve a lot, do a lot of pre-emergent uh, seed control or seedling control as well. I, I think that's the last thing you need to worry about adding any of. Okay. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Bye. Thanks, Scott. All right, Kenneth is up next. Good morning, Kenneth. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, It's just going to be a beautiful day out there. Looking forward to a a great day in the nursery business. I hope it will be, if I can get away from work. Hey, listen, (laughs) i got a question about some fertilizer. (laughs) Yes, sir. I live in Wimberley, and most of it's just more or less native grass, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to put something else down if I could. And the thing was, my daddy used to use a fertilizer 13, 13, 13. Uh, the 313s. Right. And I've never, I, just out of curious, he never used anything else. Is that a pretty good fertilizer? Or? Well, it's not what I oh, would no. choose. Your old triple 13 is, once again, the nutrient that's in that is in what we call the anion form. It doesn't bind to our soils. And mm-hmm. of the 13% nitrogen, your plants normally get about 10% of that, about 1.3%. Okay. If you get a good organic, whether it's Medina or Maestro Grow or, you know, uh-huh. Nature's Creation, there are a lot of good organic brands. The nitrogen is actually in a different form, what we call a cation that binds the soil. So even mm-hmm. though the numbers are much lower, your plants actually get more from it. If that Medina fertilizer says 4% nitrogen, your plants are getting all 4%. So that's what okay. I would encourage you to go with rather than the okay. triple 13. That was the standard okay. for a lot of years. But that's yeah, before we yeah, learned how those things burn the organic material out of the soil. You you go with okay, the organics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, he's 
Yeah, it was just something he always used. My brother yeah. asked me that question, and I said I couldn't answer because I didn't ever ask him. <laughs> he's, he's gone now. I've been gone for three years. But anyway, that's what I was wondering. I'm just trying to trying to figure out what I could put out there because it's, really, it's not real a lot of grass. There yeah. is some little San Augustine here and there, but most of it's just kind of native, and I may throw out some Bermuda seeds or something. Well, again. I already heard you talk about with right. that other gentleman, so. Anyway, okay. Well, that's what I really wanted to talk to you about. Well, and the I hope, other, I hope the your other good goes good. Well, I hope hope you're just says too. The other good thing about the uh, the organics rather than the triple thirteen is they don't have to be watered in. That old triple right. thirteen, yes. you had to water them immediately. But uh, yeah. nature's creation, yeah, Medina, it, you yeah, throw them out and let Mother Nature take care of it from there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I needed. Thank you, sir. I sure appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Kenneth. Thank you, uh, sir. Uh, bye-bye. Goodbye. Good morning, Paul. Yes, hi. Oh, hi, Bob. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Um, Bob, a couple of questions on compost. Is it too late to put it out? No. No. We we go by temperature, and I'm not seeing anything in the next couple of weeks that uh, would make me hesitate to put out compost. I'm not worried about putting out compost till we start hitting uh, in the 90s and things. And okay. it looks like we're coming up to a stretch of absolutely perfect weather for gardening, including putting out compost. All right, very good. Now, on uh, mulch, <clears throat> mulch, is there a... Uh, uh, I'm, I want to use that colored mulch, you know, that red colored mulch. Is there something about that mulch that I should stay away from or be aware of? Well, it's got some dyes in it that are not the best thing in the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it around where you have kids or pets playing, and I wouldn't be using it in my vegetable garden. But if you like the red color, I know a lot of people do. But it's basically just dyed and. Uh, and some of those dyes are things that I just am not real crazy about, but I don't think there's anything that's just not as bad as a lot of the weed killers and things like that. It's just uh, um, it's just something I, I wouldn't want to be rolling around in it. I'll put it that way. Okay. If I was going to put it around the live oak, not up against the trunk of the tree mm-hmm. necessarily, but just uh, you know around the live oak uh, and surrounding it with flowers on the perimeters, would something like that be okay, do you think, for a live oak? Um, it's not going to bother the tree at all. You're exactly right in keeping it away from the trunk, and I trust the root flare is exposed. But mulches, they do a lot of things to suppress weeds. They help conserve moisture. They keep the soil cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. So your live oak's going to love having some mulch around it. Uh, just don't put any weed block or anything like that underneath it. Just your mulch alone on the surface is uh, your tree's going to be very happy with that. If you're planting flowers, don't mound it up too heavily around your annuals because uh, it can hold so much moisture like begonias and things like that if you're not real careful you'll end up with a little more rotting problem with those things so be careful using too much of it with your flowers but your tree itself it'll be very happy having it over a portion of the root zone oh i see and and the type of flowers that i could put out right now uh, obviously if they're annuals they're not going to last forever but something that would uh, give me a lot of color say for the next uh, month or two for sun or shade of sun okay uh for the sun you can plant petunias and you don't have to worry if it cools off again petunias are going to go beautifully up until the weather gets just super hot um 
a lot of people are planting, and I think it's okay to plant now, uh, marigolds. Uh, you can plant uh, some of your little zinnias. Uh, you can plant a dianthus. is another absolutely gorgeous flower that uh, um, it won't be bothered if it does cool off again. Now, it's too early for periwinkles. Don't let anybody talk you into planting vinca or periwinkles. But um, petunias are, are outstanding uh, if you're uh, looking for something that's going to add some contrasting color and things if you're looking for colorful foliages along with your flowers uh dusty miller is a very good little upright plant your three or four different colors of what they call potato vine uh man those things grow just unbelievably so and i think you're fine to put them out but uh those are all good things for sun okay um and um and, and i guess i need a couple maybe for shade for shade, your best two flowers are going to be impatience and begonias. Now, other colorful things that you can put in the shade, coleus uh, is a beautiful uh, plant that's grown for the colors that it has in its leaves. That potato vine will do fine in shady areas as well. Probably within the next week or two, you're going to start seeing caladium plants available at the nurseries. Now, it's still way too early to plant caladium bulbs, but if the bulbs are already up and growing, you can set out caladium caladiums in the shade. There is a beautiful plant. The leaves are almost iridescent on it. It's uh they call it Persian Shield. Strobilanthus is its botanical name, but it's another really beautiful foliage. And you combine that with something like pink impatience or lavender impatience or some of the begonias. It just makes a, a very, very striking show in the shade. Bob, thank you very much. I appreciate you in the show. Well, I appreciate your call this morning. If you're ever over our way, stop by. We've got lists of these plants for both sun and shade, and you don't have to try to write them all down quite as quickly. Stop by, and I'll have to give you a copy of that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. There all the time. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye. Okay, I think we'll probably finish up calls with Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning. Actually, Paul, answer, or you answered one of my questions, because I was asking about the uh, dyed mulch, or yeah. should I just go with, like, a, a cedar? If you don't have particular, it sounded like he was uh, set on having that color, but unless you're just trying to get color, good old cedar mulch is just almost impossible to beat. And yeah, because what, I got a big yard. It's an acre and a quarter, but around the trees, I want to go like 12 feet out from the trunk. That would be about right. Stay about six and inches away from there. the trunk and then go out another 10 or 12 feet. That covers, even though the tree's root system goes a lot further than that, that covers the portion of the root system that is actively taking up water and other things. So that that would be a perfect plan. Yeah, because I'm not looking at doing a lot of, uh, you know, flowers and all that stuff, just kind of cut down on the grass area. But mm-hmm. I didn't know if, because if, I see places that got, like, stone. Right. All around. Well, that is that's strictly a matter of personal taste. The thing that I don't like is so often when people are putting down the stone, they're putting the stuff they call weed block underneath it, which is a misnomer because it doesn't really stop the weeds, and it really messes up the soil. It cuts off oxygen penetration and holds too much moisture underneath it. So 
I, it's strictly what you like. If you want to go with a with a stone area, I guess the nicest thing is you don't have to water it, but you still will have to weed it periodically, and it it just goes for the look that you are looking uh, looking for. I I like color. I like. Uh, you know, I'm I'm with you. Cut back on the grass and increase the colorful areas you have with perennials as well as with annuals. And uh, um, on the mulch, I just don't think you do better than cedar mulch. And uh, where where are you located? Are you here in uh, Atkins? I'm oh. in Atkins. Real okay. sandy soil. Yeah, um, the cedar mulch will be fine. I was going to say up in the hill country. Comal County and Kendall County basically give it away. All you're doing is paying a little bit of a loading charge for it. Uh, you may have to look around a little bit further down there around Adkins, but cedar mulch is fine. But on the other hand, if you know any tree trimmers or anybody like that, these guys who have got all the chips to dump, even that material makes a, a perfectly acceptable mulch. Uh, yeah, I got a, there's actually a plant up there by Segovia, and I got mm-hmm. property up there, and I found out that's where one of the local places get their cedar mulch from. oh okay well <laughs> so, so i might just while i'm up there visiting the land load my trailer up <laughs> that'd be uh, a perfect plan that'd be a wonderful yeah. plan yeah 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 the next quick question is i i have a friend that uh raises longhorns mm-hmm. and he's got probably i don't know 30 yards by 20 yards by about i don't know 10 foot high of manure okay. that's been sitting there for a while I was thinking of bringing it and dumping it on my thing and then tilling that manure into the sand. Well, do you know, does he uh, does he feed hay or are these longhorns mainly just grass-fed? Uh, he probably feeds hay, hey. I, I would assume also. You've got to be really, really careful because I would say the majority of the hay growers out there, they spray a really nasty product called Picloram on their hay, because it kills everything except the grass, and uh, it you know it's pretty good at weed killing. But the problem with picloram, it goes right through the cow or horse, comes out in the manure, and then everywhere you put the manure, it kills everything except the grass. And uh, there have been people just totally destroy flower gardens and vegetable gardens, buying or you know acquiring compost made with these manures. So. You need to find out if he's feeding hay. If he's feeding hay, is he feeding his own hay, uh, or is he buying hay? If he's buying hay, I'd be real suspicious of it. Now, one way that you can test, you can get a good uh, cross-section to that manure, uh, fill like a five-gallon ranch bucket with it, fill it with water, and let it stand for about 24 hours, and then go pour that water around, pour it over, you know, things like, but broadleaf weeds of any sort. If the weeds don't show any burning around the edges, if they don't show any damage, then uh, chances are there's not much herbicide in the manure. But if it starts making the weeds look bad, I sure wouldn't put that manure anywhere around my property. Picloram is just a real nasty chemical that just doesn't go away. Ooh, okay. So be real All careful right. about house and cow manure. Okay, and, and the last one, we got some African violets. Uh huh. It's growing like bigger than the section that we wanted it to grow in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now, can can I take like a spade and 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 knock off one of the like? It looks like it kind of 
grows in like little clumps kind of yeah. thing. You're probably actually looking at wood violets. You can divide them. You're going to set back your flowering. Uh, I probably would wait till a little later in the summer to do it. Enjoy your spring flowers, and then you can divide them up and move them around if you like. 